You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. In connection with our sermon this morning, I'd invite you to open in your Bibles to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Our text this morning will come from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, but in order to shed some light on and and to get to know this church in Thessalonica, we'll read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, first of all, the entire chapter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work prompted by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe sufferings, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And our text this morning, if you would flip over a few pages from our reading, is from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, the verses 3 and 4. We'll begin reading at verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then comes our text. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, This Thessalonian church to which Paul writes this second letter and also the first letter was a healthy church. If you read through Paul's letters to this church, the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and you find that the apostle is very positive about his brothers and sisters there. In most of Paul's letters, bar one... I think, Paul would begin by giving thanks. And in both of these letters, Paul gives thanks repeatedly throughout the letter. So he gives thanks at the beginning like he usually would, but throughout the chapters, as he writes, he's, he's constantly giving thanks for the Thessalonians, and that's different than in some of his other letters. He's so pleased with their attitude and their behavior and the way that they're acting in the midst of of all they're experiencing that he can't help but thank the Lord for them. 
And for that reason, they're very dear to his heart. He's more tender and, and compassionate with this church than he is with any of his other churches. In 1 Thessalonians 2, for example, he writes, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Is it not you? Paul calls them his joy and his crown. He overflows with praise and thanks for them because they're very dear to his heart. Certainly, this was a healthy church. But if you look at the circumstances of this church, then you might begin to seriously wonder whether we can call them a healthy church. They were being persecuted in Thessalonica on both sides by both Jews and Gentiles were were turning against them and making their life very difficult. And Paul speaks about the trials that they've been going through throughout the letters. They also live in the middle of a sexually immoral culture. Thessalonica was a city in which there were many temples to to gods and goddesses of, of sex and sexuality. It was all around them. They were right in the heart of it. And this church had both doctrinal errors and ethical problems. they, They had errors about the return of Christ. And they also had problems with laziness, with idleness, with busybodies. And so you start to wonder, is this really a healthy church? Well, Paul gives thanks to the Lord for them. And even boasts about them in our text this morning. Because it's not the circumstances of a church that define its health. But it's what lives in the church that makes a church healthy. In the church in Thessalonica, faith and love were abounding. And even in the face of persecution and trials, this was a church that was characterized by perseverance. And faith. And so I proclaim the word of God to you this morning under this theme. Thank God for a healthy church. Thank God for a healthy church. Paul thanks God for the healthy church of the Thessalonians. He thanks God for their faith and love and for their perseverance. So let's look first at the thankfulness that Paul shows for the faith and love of the Thessalonians. Paul begins in these verses by announcing his reason for thanksgiving. And we should just note that reason for thanksgiving, that's a bit of an understatement. Paul is not simply saying, well, the reason actually that I thank the Lord is because of this and this. He's not clinical or formal. He's not just trying to point it out to them. No, he can't help but thank the Lord for this church. He says, I'm obliged to give thanks. I have to. There's nothing I can do but give thanks to the Lord because it's fitting. After hearing about your faith and your love, there's only one thing that I can do, and that is thank God. And he has to thank God for those gifts because they are gifts. He thanks God for the faith and the love that's present in the Thessalonian church because that faith and love comes from God. There are two gifts that flow out of the overflowing goodness of God's grace 
They're gifts for his people, faith and love. And so the apostle is compelled to thank the Lord for the faith and the love that he sees. And so let's look at those. First, we'll look at the faith of the Thessalonians. What is it about this church and the faith that they've shown that makes the apostle explode with this thanksgiving the way that he does? Because in, in many letters that Paul writes, and we mentioned that already, he gives thanks for the church that he writes to. It's, it's almost standard. And most of the time he's specific about what that faith is. He doesn't say it here. He just says your faith is growing more and more. But in other letters he is very specific about it. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can be sure that that's what he's talking about here as well. He's giving thanks for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For that true and certain knowledge that the message about Jesus Christ is true. And for that firm confidence that what Jesus Christ has done, He has done for them. Their faith is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. And out of this solid root grew the faith of the Thessalonians. You see, it's not the root I don't think that Paul is so focused on here. But rather, it's the fruit, the fruit of faith, the visible effects of a a healthy root that Paul is talking about. And in order to see that, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul talks here about thanking God for the Thessalonians. And then in verse 3, he says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. But notice what he says about their faith as he goes on. He's talking about the works that are produced by faith. In verse 6, he says they welcome the message with joy. In verse 7, he says that they were a model to all the other believers. In verse 8, he says that the gospel message rang out from them. Verse 9, they gave a good reception to the apostles. Also in verse 9, they turned to God from idols. And now they await the coming of Jesus Christ from heaven. All these are visible effects of the faith of the Thessalonians in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's talking about those visible effects. You could even say he's talking about the proof of faith. These fruits of that healthy root in Jesus Christ were super abounding. They were abounding more and more in the life of the Thessalonians. You see, the fruit of faith is the evidence of faith. Fruit shows that there's a healthy root. Paul could give thanks because he could see the evidence of the Thessalonians' faith in their lives. And so we need to ask ourselves, is there fruit of faith in our lives? We confess to be rooted in Christ. Is that showing itself in the fruit in our lives. Is there evidence? Is there proof that we're Christians? As, as someone has once said, if it was illegal to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Well, that's really the bare minimum. If the Lord came to reap a harvest among us, would he get a, a bushel full of, of healthy apples, peaches, fruit, Or would he get only a few rotten ones in the bottom, much neglected and forgotten about? Does the gospel message, does it ring out from us so that 
Our faith is reported all around. Is there joy in our life because of what Jesus Christ has done for us? Is our godly walk a model to other believers here and far away? Noting that the fruit of faith is the evidence of faith, brothers and sisters, we have reason to take inventory of ourselves. Faith is not something that remains hidden. Faith is not something that we can't see. Faith makes itself visible by the fruits of faith that work out in our lives. And so we need to ask, are we rooted in Christ or not? The next superabounding fruit in the lives of the Thessalonians was love. Love is a fruit of faith. Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So just as faith is a fruit from a healthy root in Christ, so is love. When we're rooted in Christ, we produce love. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the practical and the social outworking of love. He says, the love that every one of you has for each other. Take note of that. Verse 3. The love that every one of you has for the other. Those words are striking. Every one of you has for the other. In the entire congregation of the Thessalonians, every one of the believers was filled with love for their brothers and sisters in the congregation. That's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You get the idea that this Thessalonian church was like a safe haven. They were being battered in a, in a, by the, on the outside by persecution and hostility. They lived in a city and a culture that was obsessed with sexual immorality. Their neighbors were polytheists who mocked them for their exclusivist views. These people faced pressure on all sides. And yet inside the church was a place of safety. was a place of love. Inside the church, each one of them showed love to the other. Every member would help support her sister in a time of, of trial. Everyone would make sacrifices in order to reach out to others and to help keep them going in the midst of that persecution. They would all correct and encourage and rebuke each other as they needed to. They would continually point each other to their hope that they have in Jesus Christ. You get the feeling that this church was like a support group for addicts. In a support group for addicts, the group is a safe haven. Every member in that group is united in their struggle, their struggle against addiction. They know the pain of addiction. They know the family hardships. They know the broken lives. They know the physical cravings. They know the struggles with relapse. They know the common enemy, their own desires. And they have to fight against those every day. And so in that support group, they look out for one another. They support each other. They encourage each other. They rebuke each other. They build one another up. They give each other hope. Well, brothers and sisters, how beautiful wouldn't it be if that was a picture of this body of Christ? Because we are united against our common enemies. We face pressure on all sides from the world, 
from the devil who attacks us constantly and even from our own selves. We live in a world that's obsessed with sexual sexual immorality just like the Thessalonians. We need to be a support group for each other. We're all united in our struggle against sin. Let this be a community of love where we encourage each other and we exhort each other to look to Christ. Where we're a safe haven, where love flows freely and abundantly. Where love even flows out so that there's a testimony given of this church in Langley. That is a place where believers look after one another. Where they love one another where there's visible fruits of faith in Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all stand together, fighting sin on the outside, but nurturing and fostering a real atmosphere of love on the inside? How do you do this? It's quite simple. You do it by showing love, each one of you, for each other. In 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul prays, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow to each other and to everyone else. May that be the prayer for our congregation as well. That the Lord Jesus Christ would fill us with love, each one for each other. And so love and faith were abounding in this Thessalonian church But we need to realize that this Thessalonian church was a lot of things that our church in Langley is not. It was a young church. We're not. It was full of of new converts, those who had just come out of that, that difficult and painful and confused world. We're not. It was a church that was battered on the outside by outright persecution. We are not a church like that. And so, how would we know that Paul would give thanks for this Langley Canadian Reformed Church? Well, it's by examining the fruits of love and faith within. Because the health of a church, remember, isn't defined by its circumstances, but by what lives within it. By the increase of love and faith within. Is faith and love abounding here? Is there growth in our faith and love? Because if there's not growth, then there is decay. Are the men who are called to oversee this church, are we filled with deep faith and genuine love? Are the deacons compelled by love and compassion for their brothers and sisters as they go about their work? Are the elderly among us living in joy Joy in Jesus Christ and and encouraging each other each day. Especially as life goes on and it gets more lonely and more difficult. Can the young families give a testimony of their life in Christ and, and instilling that into their children? Can we say that the young people of this church abound with zeal, that that they want to serve the Lord, and that others look at the young people from this church and say... There's faith and there's love abounding there. Brothers and sisters, if we can look at ourselves and if we can say yes to those questions, then we have much reason for thanks. Thank God. 
Don't pat each other on the back. Don't start shining our lapels. But when we can see the fruits of faith and love, thank God. Because it is God who gives these things to us. And it's God who gives these things to us for the benefit of each other. For building each other up. And for glorifying His name. In a painful, in a dark, in a confused world. That's what Paul does. Paul thanks God when he sees these things at work in the Thessalonians. And he's so thankful for them, in fact, that Paul goes on to boast about this Thessalonian church to all the other churches as well. And that brings us to our second point. Paul gives thanks for their perseverance as well. Remember the situation of the Thessalonian church, that it was one that was persecuted and afflicted on every side. This healthy church was experiencing difficult times. We need to remember that as well, brothers and sisters, because it's tempting to think that prosperity is necessarily a blessing from God. That prosperity is a result of our being good. And if we are good, then we'll get prosperity. And that trial, on the other hand, is punishment. You see, the teaching that that prosperity automatically comes from being good is the teaching of the health and wealth gospel today. There's many who hold to that and preach it. They call it Christianity, but it's not. It says that God will give you financial blessings. He'll give you good health. He'll give you healthy self-esteem. That God is most of all concerned that you would have those things. It's a teaching that misunderstands God's Word and it manipulates people. Because it's true that prosperity may be a blessing from God, but it's also true that prosperity can be a curse. It can leave us apathetic. It can leave us complacent. It can cause us to be wayward and to leave the Lord. Prosperity can blind people to their dependence on God. But at the same time, trial can be a blessing. Difficult times and hardships can draw us together, just like the Thessalonian church. God does use hardships as punishment, but for God's children, He always uses hardships as discipline to to build us up and to draw us back to Him. And so this is the point, I repeat it. A church is not measured by its circumstances. A church is measured by its fruit. When you can see the fruits of love and faith abounding in the church, then you're seeing the hand of the Lord at work. You're seeing the Spirit of the Lord at work. And as Paul says here, as he goes on, when you see a church persevering through their trials, continuing to hold on to their faith in spite of opposition, then you're also seeing the work of the Lord. And so when Paul sees this in the Thessalonian church, he rejoices and he praises God. We should notice here that the sense of the word faith is slightly different than in the first verse, I believe. In verse 3, it was talking about the fruit of faith. But now he seems to be more talking about that attitude of confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That confidence and trust that lives beside patient endurance. You see, faith and perseverance belong together. When you're going through difficult times, but you continue to trust in the Lord, you will persevere 
through it. That ongoing attitude of confidence and trust in the Lord is the breeding ground for perseverance in God's church. So Paul rejoices when he sees this happening among the Thessalonians. He doesn't only rejoice, he also boasts to the other churches as well. Why boast? Well, Paul tells the other churches about the Thessalonians' perseverance in order to teach them. He's just like a, a teacher singling out the model student. You see how Billy is behaving there? Everyone else around him is, is not behaving, but Billy is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. We can all learn from Billy's example. You see, not all the other churches that Paul would speak to are experiencing the kind of persecutions that the Thessalonians are, but in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile to the gospel, those other churches can expect it. And so Paul wants to point them to the Thessalonians. Look at this church. They're remaining solid in their conviction. They're remaining rooted in Christ. They're persevering even through trials. We should all take note of this church and the way to persevere. Don't compromise. Don't lose trust. Endure hardships and even grow in faith and love in the midst of it. Now, our church is not experiencing outright persecution. But in a world that is falling into sin, where sin is becoming more mainstream, where there are other political and uh, cultural, social pressures on the church, there may be hostility, there may be persecution coming. And should it come, we need to take note of the Thessalonian church and endure the hardship that God send us, sends us. It's discipline. It's meant to draw us closer together and to draw us closer to Him. Don't compromise the faith, but hold fast to Jesus Christ and confess the truth. But Paul doesn't only speak about persecutions, brothers and sisters. He also speaks about trials. And persecutions are there for brothers and sisters of ours in other parts of the world. And they may be coming for us, but trials are always with us. There are trials that the church goes through as a whole. There's, there's doctrinal errors and controversies. There's also trials that individuals go through in their lives as they, they face difficulties, the death of loved ones, the pain of broken relationships, the burden of financial hardships, and other things. Even in a healthy church like the Thessalonian church, there were difficult and painful trials. In fact, in a healthy church, we should expect difficult and painful trials. An unhealthy church is one that has given away so much to Satan, to the world, and to their own sinful desires that there's no struggle anymore. There's no hardships. But as long as a healthy church serves Jesus Christ above all, then she can expect to be the focus of Satan's attack. She can expect a war with the world. She can expect to have to fight against the sinful desires of even her own members. But in the midst of painful trials, what distinguishes a healthy church and healthy believers in that church is that perseverance that shines through. And even this perseverance, brothers and sisters, of holding on even though it's difficult, of looking to Jesus Christ, and, and, and even if there's nothing, there's no other hope but simply to grasp on to Him 
and to remain solid in our conviction that He is at work, that He'll bring us through, and that He has in store for us something better. That is perseverance, and that's a gift from God. The church that's able to persevere through trials is the church that's held up, that's supported, and that's protected by none other than the King of kings and the Lord of lords himself, Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul isn't fretting and worried when he writes this letter. That's why he's confident. That's why he's thanking God. Because he knows who is hanging on to this Thessalonian church. And that's Jesus Christ. And those are powerful hands. Paul knows that Jesus Christ is going to hold on to them till the end. Remember from Philippians, Paul writes to them, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And Christ knows about perseverance. Christ knows about persecution. Our Lord Jesus Christ is one who knows about going through difficult times. He went through the most difficult time imaginable on this earth. He suffered his entire life. He was abandoned by his friends. He was put on a cross of shame on Calvary. He experienced the rejection and wrath of his own eternal Father. Jesus Christ knew how to persevere. And Jesus Christ knows how to help us persevere. He gives us what we need. He gives us perseverance. He gives us love. He gives us faith so that we can not only face the trials and persecutions when they come, but we can even thrive in the midst of them. Our love can abound more and more. Our faith can be shown in more and more fruit. Our perseverance will grow. Our relationship with Jesus Christ will shine, will become more healthy. And in doing so, brothers and sisters, so will our church. So when we consider God's protection and His care for us, even in difficult trials, then we cannot help but thank God. Thank God for giving us the gift of love and faith. Thank God for that root in Jesus Christ, and may He continue to always hold us in Him. Look to Jesus Christ, and we will have more and more a healthy church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the the signs of health among this church. For the fruits of faith that are visible and manifest in the lives of so many. We thank You, O Lord, for the love which does abound We thank you for the perseverance that many of our brothers and sisters are able to show even in difficult trials. Father, we know that there is much health among us. We also know, O Lord, there is much room for growth. And so, Father, would you set our our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ and to look to him for these gifts of faith and the love. Will you help to keep us firm in our conviction of the truth? Keep us firm in our conviction about Jesus Christ, about you, the triune God, 
about the word that you've given us. And we pray, O Lord, that in every way, faith and love and perseverance would abound in our church to your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.